Y'all, I, I, when I talk about electric vehicles on this program, the amount of people who call in is just overwhelmed. I should be talking about hamburgers. Good gracious. I'm getting emails from people all up in arms for, for why didn't you mention Freddy's? Don't you like Freddy's? You should talk about five guys more. In and out. Ben, uh, listener Ben emails that uh, In and Out's moving to Nashville, Tennessee, planning an East Coast expansion. Someone's upset that I didn't mention the custard ice cream at Culver's and the crinkle fry. Ah, Lord have mercy. I have like, they say you can't talk about religion or politics. Here I talk about both, but God help me if I ever talk about hamburgers again. You're going to crucify me. <laughs> Welcome. It is Eric Erickson across the nation. The phone number is 877-973-7425. My buddy Will, he's the, the publisher of the Monroe County Reporter, texted me about five guys, and he's glad I mentioned it, and uh, talking about the one near he and I. And I'm like, the best thing about the one near us is I can go get a burger and fries and a secondhand high. I swear the amount of marijuana that gets smoked around that burger joint is just, I mean, you, you see the clouds in the air, and you're thinking it's the grill. No, 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 no. It's it's the people standing out back. Good gracious. Um, in any event, I got to move on. Let me play you what she said. This is, well, where's the, ah, I got the audio here. Um, I didn't ask Charlie to get it because I had pulled it. Um, this is ambassador, former governor, presidential candidate, Nikki Haley on Fox News. When I get into office, the first thing we have to do, social media accounts, social media companies, they have to show America their algorithms. Let us see why they're pushing what they're pushing. The second thing is every person on social media should be verified by their name. That's, first of all, it's a national security threat. When you do that, all of a sudden, people have to stand by what they say, and it gets rid of the Russian bots, the Iranian bots, and the Chinese bots. And then you're going to get some civility when people know their name is next to what they say. Accountability. And they know their pastor and their family member is going to see it. It's going to help our kids, and it's going to help our country. <sighs> Y'all, she's wrong. She's wrong. Uh, um, I shouldn't have to say that. Now, you should know that she has doubled down on it in a, the Ruthless podcast as well. I am personal friends with Nikki Haley. I tremendously like her. Uh, I, I got members of my household who will absolutely be voting for her. Um, she She's a family friend. And my daughter, I had to convince her she had to finish her senior year in high school. She couldn't go work on the campaign trail for Nikki Haley. She really got it in her head. She could take off or do remote study for her senior year in high school and go help Nikki Haley run for president. I mean, she, she's, a, she's a good friend. She's wrong. Um, and she, this is, you can defend anything on the grounds of national security. Are you concerned that uh, parents might be homeschooling their children and indoctrinating them into the values of Hamas? We should regulate homeschooling and parents should have to provide the government reports. See, see how easy it is? See how easy you can justify pretty much anything on national security. The founders of the United States of America relied on anonymity to publish the pamphlets to undermine the cause of British rule of the American colonies. They wrote 
You know, our founders were sm far smarter than we as a nation are, um, and part of it is because they were actually willing to die for the things they believed in. Most of the people on these college campuses marching for Hamas, they're not willing to die for Hamas. They just hate the Jews. Our founders, our founders were the grandchildren of those men who fought in the glorious revolution of the United Kingdom of Great Britain and Ireland at the time. See, Great Britain had a, a, a king, and that king more and more was usurping the powers of the people and, and trotting on parliament, and there was what they called the glorious revolution. Not a shot was fired. William and Mary came over, and they agreed to the primacy of parliament, and they agreed to things like the right of speech and the right to keep and bear arms, and, and a lot of the rights that we incorporated into the Bill of Rights, a, a trial by jury. Things that had been derived from the Magna Carta, then put in writing for all people in the English Bill of Rights, and it was the grandfathers and great-grandfathers of the British subjects of the American colonies who had fought those fights. And so their grandchildren, now colonists in America, viewed themselves not as Americans but as Englishmen, and the English Parliament refused to acknowledge them as such and treated them not as even second-class citizens, but worse, colonists, as Americans. And our founding fathers decided, well, if you're going to treat us as Americans, we might as well have the right to rule from America. And they began to write anonymously, and they began to plot. What unfolded was the American Revolution. Part of John Hancock writing his name as big as he did and as grandly as he did on the Declaration of Independence was for all of these men to come out from the veneer of anonymity and say, hey, we're pledging our lives, our fortunes, and our sacred honor to this great American experiment. Here are our names. Come get us. And they won. But what started was a battle of ideas. Before a battle was fought with bullets, it was a battle fought with the mind, with words, with pens, not with swords, but with ink, not with gunpowder. And many of them hid behind anonymity to protect themselves and their families because they knew what would happen, and they had to do that. And then when the constitutional fight began after the war was over, the Articles of Confederation began to fail and they needed a new constitution. Remember, the whole point of that constitutional convention was to revise the Articles of Confederation. But the men in the room decided they had to do something new. They had to do something better because these were independent nations. These 13 colonies became independent nations, each of them fully sovereign, trading with each other. And if they wanted to stick together for survival, they had to cede certain bits of sovereignty to a common core government and allow that government to succeed unimpeded by the individual sovereign nations. So each of our states is still semi-sovereign. It's one reason we have an electoral college. And then to get past the constitutional debate and to actually get it passed, the writers of the Federalist and the Anti-Federalist papers who were opposed to the Constitution, they wrote anonymously. Our country has an intellectual history of anonymity to embolden free speech. It is woven within the very fabric of the First Amendment guarantee of freedom of speech. And an anonymous speech is a free speech right. So for Nikki Haley to say social media companies 
need to be required by the government to force people to get rid of anonymity. It's not just antithetical to the constitutional history and the values of this country to its very founding. It's also bad because these companies can be hacked and have been hacked and all the anonymity can be, be revealed. There are well and truly malicious people who hide behind anonymity to say awful things. It's true. But anonymity is neutral to national security because as much as there are bad people who do it, there are good people who do it too. It's net neutral to national security. It's not a national security issue. Anonymity is an issue to the fabric of American society, which trumps national security. You don't have an American republic with its guarantees of free speech without recognizing that anonymity was a, a foundational essential to the forging of this nation by the founders of this country because they needed anonymity to do it. She's just wrong on this. I don't know how she walks this back. I, I, I think they, they tried a little bit on CNBC this morning. It's, it's not good. The, I think the campaign realizes she's overstepped. This doesn't mean Nikki Haley's a bad person. I saw somebody yesterday say, this is evil. It's not evil. Evil is Hamas chopping off the heads of babies. This is just a bad policy decision. If you can't say something's bad without it suddenly becoming evil, you are a narrow-minded fool. It's just bad. It's not evil. But it is bad. I think my friend is wrong. And I suppose a, a, a friend would say, ah, oh, go, go say this privately, direct it privately, send her a text message. But I'm a radio show talk show host, and she's also a candidate for president. And my role is to tell my listeners what I think about these issues of these candidates. And she is a candidate, though she's a very good friend. And I think she's wrong on this. And I'm not going to shy away from criticizing my friends publicly on this radio program who put themselves out there on the public stage because I need y'all and her to know I actually think she's very wrong on this issue. There are people out there, I assure you, who support it, but think of Libs of TikTok. Libs of TikTok is a, was an anonymous account that existed on Twitter and other social media spaces that highlighted really insane things that teachers and others were saying on TikTok on how they were trying to indoctrinate kids into the trans cause trying to convince kids they were trans. And, and the owner of the account was exposing this stuff and used her anonymity to do it until reporters, not the government, but reporters discovered who she was and doxed her. They, they released where she lived, and she began to be viciously harassed in an effort to shut her down and silence her. Libs of TikTok could not have come to fame without the anonymity guaranteed by our free speech and by the way the social media companies set it up so that she could expose the abusive behavior of others. She could not have done it at first without the anonymity. And it was reporters who found out who she was and exposed her and got her subjected to harassment. Say, well, she's getting other people harassed. What's good for the goose, good for the gander. It's a prime example of why you need to have anonymity. It's an example of someone doing something good who, without the anonymity, was in, heaped and hurled with abuse. Now, as an aside here, I was going to talk about this anyway. I wrote about it this morning. But I was I found it kind of funny the number of people who emailed in. Well, 
I guess we're not going to hear you say anything about Nikki Haley since she's a friend of yours. I guess you won't be criticizing Nikki Haley. I mean, I wrote about it this morning before I even saw their emails. It's just interesting the number of people who think they can presume how I operate because I am a friend of someone that I wouldn't criticize that person. I've criticized Ron DeSantis for trying to get colleges in Florida to defund groups that uh, support the Palestinian cause. You can't do that. I think that's unconstitutional, too. You know, if they're funding terrorism, obviously you can, but if they're just taking a side opposite of you and me, you can't defund them. Ben Sass is standing up for these groups coming under fire in Florida as the chancellor of the University of Florida. He's on the right side. He's on the constitutional side. I think Nikki Haley's on the wrong side of this. Anonymity is incumbent, woven within the fabric of this nation's free speech rights. And you will note, as I said yesterday, every constitution on the planet that gives free speech rights presumes the government gives those rights, except ours. Our constitution, singularly and uniquely in the world, presumes we have a right of free speech that does not come from the government, and the government may not abridge it. The presumption of the American Constitution is we have inalienable rights, and life, liberty, the pursuit of happiness are those, and woven into that is a free speech right. And our First Amendment prevents Congress from abridging that right. Every other constitution on the planet that gives a free speech right presumes the government itself is giving this free speech. Only our founders were wise enough to know we already had it. The government's not supposed to disrupt it. And this would be disruptive of the free speech right if we were to force people out of anonymity into the public light so they could be harassed for their speech. It's a bad idea. Ambassador Haley, please walk this back. He'll do the research and give it to you straight. Eric Erickson is live every weekday. You can be live on Eric's show by calling 877-97-ERIC. That's 877-973-7425. Greetings. Welcome. Delighted to have you with me. The phone number here is 877-973-7425. Should you wish to be on the program? I, I So I need to apologize, I guess. I feel bad. I was at a, a dinner last night. So my favorite restaurant, it's, it's a little place out just outside of Atlanta called Table in Maine. I love this restaurant. Uh, I have been going to this restaurant for more than a decade. I genuinely adore it and the people who work there. Uh, and I just haven't mentioned I was there for a bourbon taste last night. Well, somebody showed up to meet me, and it was it was a it was a ticketed event, private invite sort of thing. You had to pay to go, and um, this person knew I was going to be there because I guess I mentioned it on radio, and and she showed up, and they wouldn't let her in, and I feel bad. I'm sorry you you took time to come on a on a cold night to say hello, but I was I was at this meal, so I I feel very bad, and and I guess I'm at the point where I can't mention stuff like that on the radio anymore, um, which is kind of sad. But it was a it was a great fun night. Um, so Mitchner's uh, Bourbon is they've got some some bottles that they only trot out on occasion. So Table in Maine, one of the reasons I love it is they have it's probably one of the best bourbon collections of any restaurant uh, near me, and they have fantastic food. My gosh, the fried chicken is is out of this world, but 
It's the everything on the menu is fantastic. And uh, so they did this private event, and it was that they did off-menu items. I sure hope they put the dessert on the menu forever. It was a Heath Bar cookie with bourbon butter pecan ice cream sandwich rolled in toasted pecans. My gosh, it was amazing. Uh, but nonetheless, the, the bourbons from Michigan were great, and thanks to the folks at Georgia Crown for for being the distributor of it. It was, it was a fun event, but I'm really sorry, lady who showed up to say hi. I am really sorry you showed up thinking that you'd be able to walk in and see me. I'm, I'm, I feel bad that, that um, I wasted your time, and I didn't mean to. Um, my goodness. Now, i got to tell you guys about Americans for Prosperity. You won't waste your time being a member of Americans for Prosperity. If you are an activist and you want to be a better conservative activist, if you want to fight for free markets and free people, if you want to learn how to talk to your neighbors and policymakers about why Bidenomics is bad, Americans for Prosperity, they're who you want to go to. AmericansforProsperity.org slash Eric. AmericansforProsperity.org slash E-R-I-C-K. You go to Americans for Prosperity. They teach you how to be an effective conservative activist. They teach you how to fight back against the left. They teach you how to do it effectively and persuasively. You go to AmericansforProsperity.org slash Eric. AmericansforProsperity.org slash E-R-I-C-K. Go check out Americans for Prosperity today. Fight for freedom, free markets, free people, and limited government. When we come back, we got to talk about the crazy, strange new world of litigation of the conspiracy-addled mind. Smart, fearless, and occasionally funny. You're listening to The Eric Erickson Show. Greetings. Welcome. It's Eric Erickson here. The phone number is 877-973-7425. Should you wish to be on the program, I'm happy to have you. I want to talk about a a real-world issue that is also kind of off the wall. As you are probably aware, the trial is going on. Uh, against David DePapi, or David DePape, uh, I think it's David DePapi. David DePapi is the defendant in the case. He's the man who went into the Pelosi house and took a hammer to the head of Paul Pelosi, who showed up with a hammer and zip ties and delusions about uh, Nancy Pelosi in a made-up plot. He's a Canadian. Oh, we, we maybe we could stop there. <laughs> oh gosh, the stories I can't tell you. Uh, uh, what one day, one day, one day. Um, so I, I, let me read you a little bit of this from from Politico. The man who attacked the husband of Representative Nancy Pelosi came armed with a hammer, zip ties, and fevered delusions about her role in a make-believe plot by elites to destroy the nation. Now stop. You and I can believe that Nancy Pelosi is part of a plot by the elite in this country to destroy the nation. However, um, not this plot. This is a bat crap crazy explanation for some fever dreams. It just it was insane. He intended to wear a unicorn costume. And interrogate her about uh, 
government plots to destroy Donald Trump among other things. It really was an insane conspiracy theory. The 43-year-old Canadian's lawyers are trying to beat serious felony charges on a technicality, arguing he wasn't interfering with Pelosi's role in Congress when he broke into the couple's home demanding to know where's Nancy and striking her elderly husband with a hammer. Instead, his attorneys say he sought to hold her captive over her wholly unrelated role in a bizarre conspiracy theory, effectively claiming he was living in an alternate reality where her role as Speaker of the House didn't factor into his thinking. As a result, the trial has become something of a test, not just of DePapi's guilt or innocence, but of what happens when certain far-out strains of digital-age American radicalism collide with the criminal justice system. <sighs> um, okay. Here is part of the problem. A lot of our jurisprudence is based on intent. Because it's relevant, I, I, I'm going to go there. I'm, I'm a little bit hesitant because I know people have preconceived notions when, when you go there on this particular topic, but I, I think it's really relevant. If Donald Trump really and truly believed the election was stolen, He can't be found guilty of a plot to steal the election. If Donald Trump's state of mind, he was surrounded by people who told him the election was stolen. That's why, by the way, um, what's his name, Jack Smith, the prosecutor, is going out of his way to get Mark Meadows and others to testify that Trump behind the scenes acknowledged it wasn't stolen or that all of his advisors told him it wasn't stolen because he's got to show that Donald Trump's state of mind was he didn't really believe the stuff he was saying. Because if Donald Trump really did believe the stuff he was saying, well, then he had no intent to steal the election. He had no intent to undermine democracy. He really thought he was saving democracy. And that's part of the problem here. Is if David DePappi wasn't trying to interrogate Nancy Pelosi because she was Speaker of the House, but because he fundamentally believed that she was part of a plot by the elites in this country to kill Donald Trump or some other such nonsense, that he had no intent to harm a member of Congress. At least that's how the argument goes. Now listen to me, because I, I, I can hear some of you yelling in your car or in your office or your home right now, well, Nancy Pelosi does want to take out Donald Trump. Let's, there's a difference, though, between you and me thinking Nancy Pelosi wants to undermine Trump or whatever versus a wild conspiracy theory that makes her a key player in a conspiracy theory to eliminate Donald Trump uh, with, by positioning her in, in a certain way that she's an active participant. I, I do hope you can see the difference, and that's part of what this guy's lawyers are doing is they're hoping people can't see the difference. They're hoping people can't see and distinguish, because they're arguing he can't see and distinguish, which means you're no better than the crazy man who attacked Paul Pelosi. If you can't understand the difference that I'm saying, Nancy Pelosi wasn't an active participant in a Jeffrey Epstein-style plot to kill Donald Trump. She just happened to be politically, partisanly maligned against him and working as a Democrat to undermine the president of the United States, which is different from, say, she played a role in a very explicit, uh, plotted-out conspiracy theory to eliminate him. 
and, and he can't see the reality and, and the alternate reality. At least that's what their defense is, is that he was living in this alternate reality and he believed it was real and therefore his state of mind was not to commit a crime. Here's where all of this comes to play for you and me. As I have told you ad nauseum, we're living in a postmodern era where you have your truth and I have my truth. The whole point of the judicial system is to arrive at the truth to administer justice. And there is an absolute truth. Our legal system is contemplated on that absolute truth. But as more and more people have their own truth, and that truth is not grounded in reality per se, how can a legal system deal with a person like that? Here's what we know. This man went to the Pelosi's house intending to put on a unicorn costume, zip-tie Nancy Pelosi, hold her hostage, and interrogate her with violence if necessary to get her to confess to her role in a plot to eliminate Donald Trump led by a cabal of the global elite. Instead, she wasn't there, and he attacked her husband with a hammer, hitting him in the head. There were lots of conservative conspiracy theories to begin with. You ever remember that? A lot of people on the right were coming out saying, oh, maybe this is Paul Pelosi's gay lover. Maybe I didn't Paul Pelosi. Why did he let him in the house? Why did he just raising, just, just asking questions? Turns out Pelosi, Paul Pelosi, handled this situation as best he could, as calmly as he could, was able to say he needed to go to the bathroom and call the police and let them know what's going on. There was clearly a security breakdown in this situation as well that he was able to get there. But we're seeing this more and more. Now, let's go to the January 6th situation. DePappi's attorneys are, and again, I'm reading from Politico, are essentially implying that the charges against him belong in state court, not federal court. He faces a separate trial in state charges for the attack, and defeating federal charges can make it easier for his attorneys to negotiate a plea deal with the prosecutor. He did something awful, but as you will hear, it was not on account of Nancy Pelosi's duties as a member of Congress. Jody Linker, his attorney, told the jury, this case here in federal court is a narrow one. The case here is about the why. The nuanced argument is strikingly similar to the case of a young Pennsylvania woman who broke into Nancy Pelosi's office on January 6th, but claims she did not know the building was the United States Capitol. Defendant Riley Williams argued that despite her conduct that day, which included pushing against police officers in the Capitol Rotunda and cheering a mob in Pelosi's office as several others purloined a laptop, she couldn't be convicted of obstructing Congress's business because she didn't have any awareness of what was happening in the building. She was convicted of multiple felonies of her actions, but jurors deadlocked on the obstruction charge. DePappi's attorneys have focused heavily on the far-right podcast and the Internet echo chambers that influenced him in the months before the attack. He testified Tuesday he spent most of his free time playing video games while listening to fringe podcasters like Tim Poole, Jimmy Dore, and Glenn Beck. Notice they want to call Glenn Beck fringe. The defendant said the podcast convinced him that Pelosi and other Democratic officials were smearing Trump with lies and protecting a cabal of pedophiles. DePappi is a follower of the QAnon conspiracy movement, an evolving series of allegations against celebrities and political figures that attempts to tarnish them with false allegations of pedophilia and other crimes. He also intended to target Hunter Biden, Adam Schiff, Gavin Newsom, and Tom Hanks, the actor, as well as a professor at the University of California, Berkeley. <laughs> Y'all... 
We're living in a crazy age with crazy people. It is a, 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 a truly crazy age with crazy people doing crazy things. And the test right now in this country and around the world really is do people stand up for the God's honest truth? Instead of your truth and my truth is their truth. And that's actually what is on trial in California in a way that the media doesn't grasp the nuances of what is actual truth. This guy believes that his reality was true and therefore he cannot be culpable for what was really true. It's a dangerous road on which we travel. And, and I honestly, I don't know that I trust a San Francisco jury to get it right. We'll find out here shortly as this trial winds down. There are still state charges pending, but we're in a wild ride in a postmodern world brought to you by a bunch of leftists. Remember, the chief intellectual progenitor of postmodernism was a pedophile from France who wanted to defend his pedophilias. It may be wrong for you, but it's right for me. That's not, that's not a lie. That's true. That's where a lot of this postmodern stuff comes from. A, a, a French pedophile who was an intellectual philosopher who wanted to justify his pedophilia. It has played out to a point now, fast forward into the 21st century, where a man literally wants to argue that he wanted to tie up Nancy Pelosi and beat her with the hammer to extract the truth of a conspiracy from her that he knew he was a, she was a part of. It had nothing to do with her being Speaker of the House, but of her being a part of this grand global conspiracy to eliminate Donald Trump. That's insanity. And none of us should be surprised if in an insane world in California, a jury buys the argument. But it actually will not be very good for any of us if that happens, because it will mean the actual truth took a back seat to the insanity. Now, the other insanity we've got out there is the crazy wild ride we've got in the economy with banks going under, the one in Iowa went under, you had Silicon Valley Bank, you've got the government wanting to pick and choose who they bail out and not, you got Janet Yellen now out meeting with the communist leader in San Francisco after her, her In-N-Out burger trip. It's no wonder my friends at Swiss America are trying to educate people, make them aware of this secret war on cash, this assault on our freedoms. With soaring interest rates, squeezing the economy, and banks teetering on collapse, Swiss America can educate you about how you can protect your hard-earned assets right now. Go read their report, The Secret War on Cash. Your copy's free by calling or texting 800-289-2646. That's 800-289-2646. The all-out war on cash includes digital forms of currency. It's spreading daily. So read The Secret War on Cash. It is completely free to you guys. All you do is call or text my name, Eric Erickson, to 800-289-2646. That's 800-289-2646. You can also go to SwissAmerica.com slash Eric. SwissAmerica.com slash E-R-I-C-K. Let them know I sent you. Get the Secret War on Cash Report completely free. 800-289-2646 or SwissAmerica.com slash Eric. Message and data rates apply. You're listening to The Eric Erickson Show, the perfect blend of news, analysis, opinion, and cooking. Yeah, cooking. Want Eric's weekly recipes? They're super delicious. Text RECIPE to 33777 now. 
Hello, America. Welcome. It's Eric Erickson, the phone number 877-973-7425. Let me take John's phone call here real quick. John, welcome. Oh, hey, uh, good afternoon. Yeah, I, I don't know where Nikki Haley is going with this, but I just want to make the comment that, one, the government, it's not their role to regulate civility. In America, you have a right to be rude, and you have a right to tell rude people to go away. And just to make an analogy to social media, is talk radio has been thriving for decades. I've never heard of a talk radio show where they tell you to, to call up, give your license number, and they're going to look you up, and, and that you have to give out your whole first name on the air. If they did, nobody's going to call in. Wait a second. And, You're telling me my call screener didn't do that to you? He is so fired. <laughs> yeah. But, but it, for, for people to be forced to identify themselves to, to, to speak in America, it, that, that is, is antithetical. And, and every yes. conservative, every person who's listening to talk radio knows how the, the, the bedrock of talk radio is the ability to call in and not have people – you know, express your opinion about a person or situation and not have them come to your front door or your friend at work coming up to you and saying, I mean, they might recognize your voice, but they're not going to come up to you and say, hey, I heard you call into to the right. so-and-so yesterday, and, and you said that, you, you know, you, you, were, you were critical of, of, of Israel, and, and, you know, you're fired. I mean, it, we just can't have that right. level of, of Orwellian scrutiny. And, you know, the, the, the other angle here, John, listen, I, I appreciate that. That's well said. It's also the, the level of hacking. Um I, I, to use a, a, a somewhat uh, disjointed comparison here, remember that Ashley Madison website where it was men who and women, but mostly men who wanted to have affairs, could go online and find someone to cheat on their spouse with? One, I'm amazed at the number of idiots who use their real email address and contact information. But two, the site got hacked, and all that information was revealed. There were a lot of divorces that came out of that. Now, you get Twitter to compile all of your information, and they store it in a database. So you can say you can be Alpha 38155 on, on Twitter, but they know who you are, and they've got your driver's license on file. Uh, and so you're you're a brain biblical donkey on Twitter. You make a name for yourself, and then suddenly Twitter gets hacked, and suddenly, oh, my gosh, you're that guy? You're fired, or you're going to jail or whatever. Um, it's not a good idea. It is just fundamentally woven into the fabric of our society that anonymous speech is an essential component of free speech because some people can't say what they want to say uh, without punishment unless they have that anonymity. And, and yes, bad people abuse it, but good people take advantage of it as well. It's a bad idea. It's a very bad idea. So I'm, I'm glad that uh, her campaign appears to be trying to walk it back. She herself, though, doesn't appear to be walking it back. The, the campaign is, and that's part of the problem here. There's a disconnection. So um, I hope they can find a way to abandon this idea and, and memorial it. I don't think they're going to be able to because I think Ron DeSantis and Vivek Ramaswamy are not going to let her make it disappear. Now, I have a package from Omaha State showed up today. I got an email from UPS Telling me, no, it was FedEx. It was FedEx today that, that it's, it's showing up today. Uh, I got a package from Omaha State. I don't even know what's in it, but I suspect it's whatever their next promotion is that they decided to send me some, uh, which is fine. I love it. I'm sure I can take advantage of it, but you can too because right now they're having the semi-annual sale, and it's Thanksgiving next week, and you may need some consideration for what you're doing for Thanksgiving. I highly recommend Omaha Steaks if you want some great offers. And if you go to omahasteaks.com, you put Eric, E-R-I-C-K, in as a promo code to check out. You're going to get an extra $30 off, minimum order required. 
OmahaSteaks.com has been delivering up deliciousness to your door. They've been in business since 1917. They expanded to mail order in the 50s and 60s. They don't disappoint. Right now, it's their semi-annual sale, so you get 50% off site-wide. And at checkout, if you use promo code ERIC, you get an extra $30 off. OmahaSteaks.com. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.